Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. go to Mount Ebal and go to Mount Gerizim and set up an altar that's made without uh, fancy carvings. I want just plain stones. That was the way God always wanted to be worshipped. It was in Exodus chapter 20. If you make an altar of stone, you have not built it of you, you shall not build it of hewn stone, for if you use a tool on it, you've profaned it. So they built an altar there at the foot of Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 8 of the book of Joshua. After the victory that God had given Israel against the city of Ai, Joshua took the nation of Israel to Mount Ebel to build an altar to the Lord God. This was in fulfillment of Deuteronomy 27 and 28. There, the Lord told Israel, when they came to the promised land, to come to these mountains, build an altar, sacrifice to the Lord, and read the law. In this, Joshua shows a prime example of obedience to the Lord. And now, let's join Pastor Rob with our lesson for today. They did it the first time and they got beat. Now they're going to do it again, but now God has given them the strategy that he was going to give to David several hundred years in the future. Go around behind them, set an ambush behind them, and we're going to look at that here shortly. So God is going to use their previous defeat into a victory. And isn't that just like the Lord? In Romans 8.28 it says, And we know that all things work to the good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. You know, even our mistakes, God can use them. He can turn them around for his good and for our good. And here's the thing, if we learn from our mistakes... They can be our best teachers. You know, not that you make a mistake. That's not the bad thing. Is if you learn from the mistake that you made, that's the important thing. God knows you're going to make a mistake. But for heaven's sake, learn from the mistake. Don't just keep making the same mistake over and over again. That means you're not paying attention. But when we make the same mistake over and over again, we are not paying attention. But see, God wants to restore you. And if you've made a big mistake or you've sinned in some way, we need to repent of it. We need to learn from it. And we need to teach others about it that they might fear and turn their heart to the Lord. Isn't that what it's supposed to be like? But, you know, make no mistake. It, it would be better for you not to make the mistake and have to learn from it. I'm sure David, if he, if he could go back and look at his life, he would say, you know what, I wish I hadn't made those mistakes how much more glorious would his life have been if he hadn't have done those things? What kind of psalms could have been written 
You know, and, and here's the thing, Romans 8.28, all things work together for the good. Even the heart-wrenching thing that he had done. How many men and women over the centuries, over the thousands of years, have made the same sin? And now they can go to Psalm 51, they can go to Psalm 32, and they can read about that in Second Samuel chapter 11 and 12, and they can read of the depth of, of David's heartbrokenness. And you can relate to that because maybe you've gone through the same thing. But it would have been far better for David to have never done those things. God could have given him so much greater insight into things that would have changed uh, his life and everyone else's. Verse 6, For they will come out after us and, uh, until we have drawn them out from the city. For they will say... They are fleeing before us as at the first, therefore we will flee before them. And then you shall arise, verse 7, from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be, verse 8, when you have taken the city, that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have, I have commanded you. So Joshua, therefore, sent them out, and they went out to lie in ambush, and they stayed between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And then Joshua rose up early, notice, early in the morning, and he mustered the people. And he went up, and he and the elders of Israel before the people to Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near, and they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and set them in an ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north side of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. And now it happened. Now, So he's got everything in, 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 in order here. In fact, if you look up here on the screen, he has them go around. You notice up here at the top here, he has 30,000 of the men go for, right around here to the back side on the, on the west side of Ai, because here's Ai, right where my red dot is. So he has 30,000 men go over here, and then he's got another 5,000 going up between here. Why? Because Bethel is right there. So anybody who comes out from Bethel trying to help out Ai, these 5,000 have got it covered, and now these 30,000 are coming in from behind, and then Joshua and all of them are right here in front, and guess whose eyes are on Joshua? The king of Ai and everyone else. They're looking straight ahead seeing several thousand men, including Joshua, out in front. They're they're not even aware that around behind them and on the west and on the north, they have no idea that there's men back there waiting. And so they do. They come out. They come out to meet them in battle, thinking they're going to do the exact same thing that they did before. And notice what happens. It happened when the king of Ai, verse 14, when he saw it, that the men of the city hurried, And they rose early and went out against Israel to battle, he and all his people at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And so Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man, verse 17, left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So now both of these cities are emptied so that they left the city open and they pursued Israel. 
And then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out your spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. Now, one thing you have to remember is this spear that he has, this javelin, whatever it is, is probably made of metal, and the sun is just coming up. And so that thing is lighting up when the sun hits it. And those guys over behind um, Ai, who are on the north side of it, about ready to come this way, because remember, the, the guys are coming in down toward, Jer- you know, toward the, uh, the men of Israel. The guys are coming behind it. They see the glittering javelin. They know that that's their cue. And so they've got to hurry because they've got this huge area that they've got to set on fire and take care of whatever business they've got to take there and set it on fire quickly because those enemies are coming down. And so when those guys who are coming out from those two cities, they turn around, they look at their city on fire, they're going... their hearts are fainting. And so now Joshua and his men, they turn around. They're no longer fleeing. They're coming back. And now the guys that were up there who had set the place on fire are starting to come down too. So now you've got this, these guys right in the center. They're right in the center. And so verse 19, so those in ambush rose quickly and and they hurried to set the the city on fire at the end end of their verse 19. But it says, And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven, so they had no power to flee this way or that way. And the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on the pursuers. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and they struck down the men of Ai. And this is a military maneuver, and it's very well known now. And it's called the the pincher movement. And it's also called a double envelope, double envelopment. The pincher movement or double envelopment. It's a military maneuver in which foes uh, simultaneously attack both sides of an enemy. And that's exactly what happened here. And, and every, uh, any commander in any army knows this tactic. It's a very good one. And if you can catch your enemy off guard and the situation is just right, you can, you can win the day if you know this strategy. But notice verse 22, Then the others came out of the city against them, so they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down, so that they left none of them to escape or alive. But the king of Ai they took alive, and they brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass, when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they had pursued them, And when they had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai, and they struck it with the edge of the sword. So anyone left back in those city, and that city was struck down, being obedient to what God had told them to do. So verse 25, So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, which he had stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. For only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai, and he made it a heat forever. In fact, that's what the name means. Ai literally means destruction. It means uh, uh, a heap of ruins. That's what it means. And it's a desolation, he says, to this day, the the day he was writing it. And the king of Ai, they hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a great heap of stones that remains to this day. 
You know, and that's written in the law. We don't have time to go there, but in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, it talks about the engagements of battle and the engagements of war, and that's one of the things they were supposed to do. You see, even in battle and even when God deals with his enemies, you notice he's not a cruel God. He's not like uh, some enemies. You know, they like to hang up a body for days and let the flies and the birds eat it, and, and they, they, they do really twisted, wicked things. But God is not like that. Yes, he allows them to be put to death, and he hangs them on a tree as an example. But you notice he's not just some capricious, angry, hateful God. He says, no, we're going to do this the right way. This is not good for him to be up there. The point was very well made. Let's take him down and, and bury him. Right? He's not some nasty, evil God. So what is the moral of, really, verses 1 through 29? Even though there may be a failure which they did, they failed. They, they didn't inquire of the Lord. They went out in presumption with a, just a short many of people to attack Ai the first time. Didn't turn out so well for them, but God gave them a second chance. He says, now, here's the battle plan. This is a really good one, Joshua, because I'm going to give it to David about 400 years from now. And he's going to do it, and he's going to inquire. You should have inquired. Nobody inquired. You should have listened to me. But even still, even though there may be a failure, there may be a sin, God is a God of second chances and often third and fourth chances. I love what happened in Matthew chapter 18, this dialogue between Jesus and Peter. Peter came to him, if you remember, and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Peter thought he was going to be really benevolent. He said, till seven times, Lord? By this time they knew seven was a great number, it was a number of perfection, number of completion. And I'm sure he was thinking that he was going to get extra points for being so gracious. Really, Peter? Seven times? After two times, I would have just said, forget it. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? Once I can forgive, but I don't know about the second time. You have to pay a lot of money. You have to give a lot of money to the church. You might be absolved from that one, but nah, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think so. No, no, you're not going to do it. So he says, till seven times, Lord. And Jesus said to him, I say not unto you until seven times, but 70 times seven, Peter. And not literally 490 times. The idea is you keep on forgiving. When your enemy asks to be forgiven, you keep forgiving. You keep forgiving. Because I'm going to forgive you, Peter. How many times have I already forgiven you? You're probably not even aware of how many times I've forgiven you. How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. And then even on the shore of Galilee after the resurrection, his love still wasn't perfect. Lord, I, I like you as a good friend, but that's all. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you, do you agape me? Do you love me, Lord? You know, Peter, in a, in a self-sacrificing, benevolent way, Lord, you know I'm just your friend. Feed my lambs. He met Peter right where he's at. He did that the third time. Let's quickly go through this next part here. This is a picture of Israel, and you'll see Mount Gerizim on the left-hand side there and Mount Ebal on the right-hand side. This is a, a modern uh, picture, and it probably didn't look too much different than that back in, in the day, but we're going to finish the last few verses here really quickly. It says, it, it says, Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. So after this, this conquest, after they conquer Ai, they, they, they did something unusual. They, they stopped. They could have just continued and then maybe gone south in that campaign. You Remember that picture I showed? 
showed of you where they first go across the center of, this, of the country, and then they're going to go down south, and then they're going to shoot back up north. They could have just continued on in the campaign. We're on a roll now. Let's just keep it going. Let's just keep it going. Let's be obedient. Let's listen. Let's inquire. Let's do it and get this job done. But no, he stops. He says, no, we need to have a worship service. <laughs> we need to thank God. And he was being obedient to what Moses had told him. Because Moses told the, the children of Israel, and we don't have time to go here, but read Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Because Moses told the, the children of Israel, when you cross that Jordan and you get over into the land, be sure to do this thing. You know, go to Mount Ebal and go to Mount Gerizim and set up an altar that's made without uh, fancy carvings. I want just plain stones. That was the way God always wanted to be worshipped. It was in Exodus chapter 20. If you make an altar of stone, you have not built it of, you, you shall not build it of hewn stone, for if you use a tool on it, you've profaned it. So they built an altar there at the foot of Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And like I said, read Deuteronomy 27 and 28, because they're all there on each side. Six tribes on one side of the mountain, six tribe on the, on the other. And you can see this valley right in between here is a great place for Joshua and the, the Levites to be sharing these things. And, and, and it's a perfect amphitheater, and everybody on both sides can hear you. And that's where it happened, right there. That's where it happened. And if you come to Israel with us, I think we visit this place. And so... Verse 31, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, which he did in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, which you can read later, as it is written in the law, the book of the law, an altar of whole stones, whole stones, not carved, over which no man has wielded an iron tool, and they offered it on it burnt offerings to the Lord, and they sacrificed peace offerings. And that's what we're going to do tonight, really quick, is we're going to have, uh, we're going to take communion together. Because when you think about this, you know, that was one of the things they did after this, this conquest. They, they could have kept going, but they stopped, and they made sure that they were obedient, that Joshua, you know, even after Moses has already passed from the scene, Joshua's like, you know what, we're going to do this the way the Lord wants us to do it. Nobody else would probably do it that way, but we're going to do it. Instead of just plowing forward, we're going to stop and we're going to give thanks to God, and we're going to remember what he did for us. And that honored the Lord, and I tell you, that's the secret to our walk with the Lord is just to be obedient and to listen to him, to listen to him and to be obedient no matter how small, how silly something may be. Just be obedient. How many times has the Lord spoke to your heart? Just the other day, I was in Wegmans, and this doesn't happen a great deal, but there was a young man who was checking out our groceries, and my daughter was with me, and the Lord just put that familiar feeling in my heart. He says, just tell him. Tell him the truth. Tell him that I love him. Tell him that I died for his sins. So while he's checking out his thing, I'm saying, hey, did you know that Jesus loves you? And he looks at me kind of funny. I said, do you go to church? And he goes, no. And he started, he kind of laughed a little bit, like, you know, why are you talking? Nobody talks like this. Nobody talks about this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, man, he loves you. I said, yeah, think about going to church and, and finding out what Jesus, what he's done for you. He died for my sin and he died for your sin. All we have to do is believe in him and we'll have everlasting life. And, and that was it. But do you think there was a little bit of apprehension? Because there's people behind me hearing the same thing as he's hearing it. And my daughter, you know, she's smiling. You get that familiar feeling, you know, and you just, you'll be obedient to it. I don't know what that's going to yield. It may yield nothing. Somewhere that young man's going to remember, who was that wacko in Wegmans? 
He's going to remember that day, I tell you, because nobody, you can t- say, hey, how's the day? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, my car broke down. He'll never remember anything like that. But you lay that on a, a person, three years from now, they're going to remember that because nobody does it. So do it. So be obedient. And that is a secret. Just love people and listen. And there in the presence of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the Law of Moses. Some believe that this was just the Ten Commandments. Some believe it may have been Deuteronomy chapter 5 through 26 or some variation. They wrote a lot of, of material on some of these stones back in these days. Then all Israel, with the elders and the officers and the judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the, str- the stranger as well as he who was born them, born among them. And half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim. And you can see on the picture up here, half of them were over here, and half of them were over here. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. Read it tonight. Go home and read this chapter again, especially verses um, uh, 30 through the end of that chapter 8, and then read chapters uh, Deuteronomy 27 and 28. This will all make perfect sense to you. It, it kind of does a little bit, but you'll, you'll get the whole picture. So there was not a word that all Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. And so I can't think of a better time for us to take communion. Father, we do thank you, Lord, that we are children of God, Lord, not based upon uh, any good work that we have done. But we simply believe in the work that has already been accomplished on the cross at Calvary. Lord, the blood that was shed, that was the, the very, uh, the blood of God, it had to be, Lord. And so we thank you tonight, Lord, that we, as we take this bread, as we take this cup, Lord, we understand what this means, Lord. Your body was broken on that cross. Lord, your, your hands and your, your feet and your side were pierced, and the, the crown of thorns pressed upon your brow, Lord, creating those wounds on your head. And, and certainly from the beatings that you received even before, Lord, and during the flogging, and Lord, to think of all that, Lord, that that wasn't even the, the most significant thing, but the fact that you on the cross, invisible to all the onlookers, Lord, you, your soul became an atonement. You became sin. It became, it came upon you, and you bore the penalty that we deserve. And Lord, we are set free because of your spirit, Lord because of our faith and belief in you, the only true, the only one sacrifice, once and for all done, never to be repeated again, Father. We take this as in remembrance of you. And so, Lord, we do that. We take these in remembrance of you very simply. And so let's partake. How could we forget? You know, how could we forget? You know, I love it when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But there's something about the act of taking the bread and understanding what it meant and then taking the, the cup and, and drinking it. And, 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 the very, and our innermost being is where these things go into, right? They, they go into the center of us. And really that's, the, that's like the, what the Spirit of God does in us. He, he, he's not content to just tell you what to do. He, he gives you a nature. By faith in him, he gives you a nature, a new nature, being born again is a real thing. It's when the Spirit of God indwells you. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean that now you have the capacity to resist like you've never had before. 
because the very nature of God is within you. You're not God. You're not equal to him. He alone is in a class all by himself. We will never be equal to him. We will always be a redeemed people, even in our perfected bodies at the rapture and beyond. There'll never be anyone like him. He is perfect and holy in all that he is. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.